Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Kimberly Johnson. Kimberly is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of Fannie Mae, a leader in the secondary mortgage market with revenues exceeding $120 billion annually. As COO, Kimberly is responsible for overseeing the company's technology, operations, innovation, data, and strategic execution functions. Over the past dozen years, she's held a variety of executive roles at Fannie Mae, including Chief Risk Officer and Chief Credit Officer. In this interview, we discuss her take on the renewed focus on social injustice in our society and the role technology can play to help foster change. We also talk about how the concept of anti-racism is gaining traction, as well as some of the groups Kimberly admires that are paying attention to this issue. We also discuss how the COVID-19 pandemic has brought out more empathy in people, the importance of diversifying your slate of mentors and mentees, and a variety of other topics. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and The Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Zoho Finance Plus is a unified finance platform. Here, we have bundled seven different apps to align finance processes of most enterprises starting with invoicing, books, inventory, subscription, expense management, payroll, and checkout, to collect all your payments with out-of-the-box integration with Stripe, PayPal, Wordplay, and many others. Zoho Books provides end-to-end accounting, right from negotiating deals to raising orders to invoicing. It handles all the mundane tasks so you can focus on your business. Invoice your customers for one-time or subscription-based payment plans. Help your employees do their expense management with single touch from mobile device, with multi-currency, multi-bank, multi-country support. Learn more at zoho.com slash finance. Thanks, Timothy. And now on to the interview. I thought we'd begin with just your own kind of general reflections on the on the Black Lives Matter movement more generally, the, the current social unrest following the death of George Floyd and other um, instig- instigating factors. Um, maybe you can just take a moment and just re- reflect if you would. Well, I have to say, it has really been a quite a remarkable spring and summer. Like we're just at a, a a fascinating time where so many things are are coming together. We are experiencing a a social justice movement, but at the same time that we're really trying to weather a, a global pandemic that's having very disparate outcomes on our communities of color, and and I think that's been a real eye opener. It demonstrates how socioeconomic status can impact access to education, employment, housing, healthcare, right? Like people are just beginning to realize these things are all connected and related and, and the system reinforces the status quo. So I think that's adding a lot to the sort of social consciousness of, of the country. One of the things that, that is remarkable to me is, is that why does it feel so different? Like we've seen these types of incidents. I mean, the George Floyd incident was tragic, but it's certainly not the first time that you've seen African-Americans as the victims of police brutality. But a lot of us are, you know, home. We've been on lockdown for months and people are are watching the news. They're more in tune to themselves, their families, their values. 
they're thinking about uh, sort of, you know, the meaning of life and community. All these things, I think, are, are weighing on people in a different way right now. So I'd say that um, having a lot of time to reflect has brought out a little bit more empathy in people. And I'm, I'm really grateful and, and just hopeful that we have a real opportunity to embrace a change that, that could be sustained and, and we can hopefully see some lasting uh, evolution in the way that we treat each other. I really like that. I, I've not heard anyone put it that way, having had this conversation with a number of, uh, of friends and colleagues. That's uh, I, 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 a really poignant point you make about the difference now and the fact that perhaps there's a, um, if there is a silver lining, it is that uh, the fact that we're all with our families and have an opportunity to reflect further with those who we love most, uh, perhaps it gives us a renewed emphasis, those of goodwill, perhaps to rethink things and, and, and improve things wherever they can. I think so. I think people are spending a lot of time thinking about the trade-offs we make as a society and what's important to them and where their values lie and what kind of a world we want to live in and how we want to leave this to our kids. And there's a lot of things to, to ponder. Well, Kimberly, I, you know, somebody like yourself uh, is no, no doubt an inspiration to others as, as you've uh, uh, blazed a path that perhaps other uh, men and women uh, of color might might follow to to rise to the role in your case of chief operating officer of Fannie Mae, a major executive at a major corporation, um, and and thankfully there 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 are a growing number of people uh, who have uh, who have been able to to cue those paths. Um, but I'm curious, as you were starting in your uh, professional career, who were some of the people who were important to you? Who were some of your personal and professional mentors? Um, and I'm curious, uh, you know, how you kind of describe your own thought process when it comes to empowering people of color from that perspective. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I am very fortunate. I have had a grand number of mentors and sponsors and people who've, who've helped me navigate my career. I mean, so many, I, I couldn't even begin to name them. But I, I can tell you that mentoring is really, really important. It's important to me as both a recipient and a provider. I find that um, I get the most value out of having, you know, a few trusted folks that I can talk to, but it's really the breadth of your network that matters. Having people that connect with you both personally and professionally is essential. And people who are tuned to your own position and experiences so that they can cater their advice and their counsel to you. But I, I find that having people who are, you know, men, who are women, who are younger, who are older, who are in my field and who are completely outside, it, it helps me broaden my own perspective. And it helps me relate to things that I might not be seeing through the, through the same lenses. And so it, I find that that is the most helpful thing is to make sure that you really do diversify your slate of mentors. And, and when it comes to mentoring, I'm a huge believer in making sure that you you mentor everyone <laughs> equally. I got lots, to, to your point, um, I have lots of women and lots of minorities who come and ask me for advice, and I, I try to say yes <laughs> as much as I possibly can. But I also make sure that I, I mentor lots of men, and I mentor lots of people of, of all races and nationalities, because if, if, if white people can't see black people as leaders and go to them for advice and, and be excited to get their perspectives, then we're missing out on a huge opportunity. So I think that it's important for minority leaders to, to mentor everybody, not just other minorities. 
That's a great point. Um, how would you or, or have you counseled um, colleagues and, and others on your team as to the role they can play in improving opportunities for, for people of color, um, employees current and future? Wow, this is a tough one. I think that this is something that um, I get asked a lot. And the thing that it strikes me all the time is there's there's no one answer. <laughs> there's not a specific path. There's no playbook. But there are a couple of concepts that I think are really important. I think that in order to create an environment that is open and inclusive um, and has room for diversity, we have to create an environment that has trust. And one of my favorite favorite um, lectures that I've ever been to was at Harvard Business School, and it was about how to create trust. And it works on a personal basis and also works in a corporate environment. But um, Frances Fry, who's a a terrific um, author, and she's written lots on on customers and creating value. And and she gave this great paradigm about trust. And she said it has three aspects, logic, authenticity, and empathy. And for me, if you're trying to create a culture of trust in a company, you have to start with logic. And logic is all about understanding facts and data and history, right? Like we hear a lot around black history these days, but black history is American history. It is a subset of what is happening in America. And I think that the more we can inform our our colleagues and um, the, the folks around us, they have a better perspective that they can apply to the logic and understanding of their interactions in the workplace. So I think being informed and applying that logic is, is step one, making sure you, you have the right facts and information. I think when it comes to authenticity, this is probably <laughs> the hardest one because um, talking about race relations is really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but necessary. I think um, progress is change and change is uncomfortable. And if we're gonna make any progress on this front, we're gonna have to be a little bit uncomfortable. Everybody I know gets nervous talking about race. People are afraid that they're going to say something that's going to be misunderstood or something that will be offensive. And it, it happens on you know, both sides of the equation. And I guess it's just a point of working through that discomfort. If we don't talk about ourselves and our experiences, then we can't be present and engaged as part of the workforce. So I think that's a, a, a huge requirement for authenticity. And I think that also paves the way for that, that last aspect, which is, is empathy. And that's the thing that I've seen change more than anything else in the last three months. I think it's gone a really long way in, in sort of bringing the national dialogue on race relations up a level. Again, re- really great insights there. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm curious, as somebody who has uh, technology ultimately rolling up to you as a part of your set of responsibilities, do you feel like there's a role technology can play um, in in some of the change that you've described? I've really got mixed feelings on this one. I think that technology is a great tool, but we also have to understand its limitations. Right? Like one of our tendencies in technology is to break things down into patterns. It's great for efficiency and simplicity and consistency. But the thing is that people don't fit very neatly into patterns. The human experience is really individualized. So at the end of the day, you, you can't code values. And understanding people is a human connection that just can't be done through pattern recognition. But at the same time, I think that um, technology can play a role in some of the solutions too. You can use technology to create access to information, exposure to ideas and concepts outside of our immediate experiences. Like the internet has been phenomenal for creating much more awareness. Um, 
technology can broaden horizons. It can generate, you know, power for convening. I think access to technology is a really important concept that we all need to, to pay attention to in terms of equality. But I, I love the idea that technology can amplify new ideas and quickly generate scale and acceptance. And I think that's going to be really helpful too. You've already mentioned a few few aspects of um, what's going on now that give you reason for optimism, the increased empathy, uh, the fact that there's a different kind of dialogue and, and perhaps a silver lining of, a, of a most, a, another most unfortunate situation, which is the pandemic itself. And um, I, I wonder, are there any other things that as you reflect upon you know, reasons to remain optimistic? I, I, I sometimes worry, of course, that, um, you know, uh, the, the extent to which these sorts of circumstances can naturally lead to pessimism, oftentimes pessimism itself can work against progress. And so it's, I, I, it's encouraging to, to hear a leader like yourself uh, talk about, you know, reason, though there, of course, is work to be done uh, um, and improvements yet to be made, many of them, in fact, uh, but that there's, there's charting some of the progress and counting some of the reasons for, for optimism, I think, uh, can, can be a really positive thing, needless to say. I'm curious if there's anything else that comes to mind. Yeah, I, um, I had a, a fantastic personal experience. I took my daughters down to uh, Black Lives Plaza the day after it opened. And my husband and I debated it because, you know, it was still during a time when there was a lot of risk going around because of, of the COVID-19. But we really wanted them to be a part of an experience that seemed like it could be um, a moment of inflection on sort of the arc of progress around uh, race relations in America. And when we got down there, I was absolutely amazed by the number of people who were there peacefully protesting, but being really adamant about support for Black Lives Matter, people who were not black, like it was majority, Caucasian, Asian, Hispanic, like we saw people of all types, sorts, shapes, and sizes. And that, to me, was really encouraging that this maybe isn't just a black problem. This is an American problem. And I think that we're going to find American solutions. So I, I love the idea that people are just become, starting to realize that, that racism isn't a character flaw that gets embedded within individuals. It's, it's sometimes just ingrained in the system over time based on historical norms. And the concept of anti-racism is gaining traction. And I think that is really encouraging because the more people who embrace that mindset, the more hope I have that we can live up to our American ideals of equality. So I, I think there's some really good things happening. Are there, Kimberly, I'm curious, are there any, um, uh, any organizations um, that have been particularly meaningful for you that you would recommend others become aware of? I, I'm curious if there's any, any in particular that you would wish to pinpoint. Well, one of the things that I, I think is terrific is making sure that we do as corporations support um, groups that do programming and mentorship and development um, for for people who are underrepresented in technology. Um, the Information Technology Senior Management Forum, ITSMF, is one that we've supported in the past, and I think it, it provides terrific opportunities for people of color. Um, I personally have um, am a uh, alumni of Inroads. That's a nonprofit that provides diverse students and underserved students opportunities for employment so that they can do uh, mentorships and, and learn how to work in all kinds of different environments. And I, I loved my experience at Inroads and I still support that organization uh, with a lot of enthusiasm. 
and I, I guess I'd say the last one that I, I really appreciate and like is, is Year Up. I don't know if you've ever heard of Year Up, but yeah. they provide a, well, fantastic. We we hire Year Up interns every year because we find that the uh, the graduates there are terrific, hardworking, highly capable folks who are add a lot to our our workforce, and we're excited about that that program. So there's a few, but I think it's important to continue supporting those types of things if we want to have a diverse pipeline of talent. That's excellent. Well, Kimberly, I, I really appreciate your, your willingness to to chat with me about these topics. Um, I appreciate your willingness to to not only share your own experiences, but also the broader depth of your wisdom. I, I This has really been a, a great and meaningful conversation. Well, I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about it, and I look forward to hearing all the things that everybody's got to say. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Monday when my guest will be Verizon Global Chief Information Officer, Shankar Arumugavelu.